Hello, and welcome back to the Co-Creating Radiance podcast, where we offer support in cultivating our harmonious consciousness. Our hope and intention is to not only provide support as you make your way on your spiritual journey, but also to provide perspective, insights, and education through sharing our own experiences as we too walk the path of discovery, of inner harmony, and conscious self-expression. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Thea. I am here with my darling friend, soul <laughs> sister, co-creatrix, Gina. Hello, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> So glad to be back here with everyone. We have got such an episode for you. Before we jump in, I wanted to give everyone a heads up. It's going to be a little chunkier than our previous episodes because we're going to be talking about some of our sacred tools and how we work with them in our individual practices. We're going to be covering three separate categories, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that, you know, <laughs> everyone knew what they were getting into before <laughs> we get started. It's going to be so much fun, though. I'm I'm super pumped for this particular episode. Absolutely. Same here. Mm. Um, in the spirit of becoming more acquainted with each other, um, we wanted to share a little bit more about ourselves. Uh, last episode, we shared a bit about our sun signs and our rising signs uh, with respect to Western astrology. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and today we wanted to share our moon signs with you. And just to give a little bit of background about what a moon sign um, means, is a moon sign uh, reflects your emotional landscape. Um, and uh when I think about astrology and like where our planetary positionings are in our natal charts, um, I think about these things as like tendencies that we were born with. So just remembering that nothing, uh, that you're not like bound to um, whatever your planetary placements are, but it's just, these are things to be aware of and just to, um, there it's, it's all really a tool to help to get to know um, yourselves better. Mm -hmm. Um, But just remembering that nothing is fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you find yourself as a fixed sign in the Zodiac. Yes. You're not bound to it. (laughs) You're not bound to it. But yeah, so the moon sign is reflective of um, emotional tendencies. Um, And we're talking about like emotional reactions to things um and um also i how i've heard it interpreted is um these um tendencies and patternings around um emotional reactions and things are of course as we know established in our childhood and this mm-hmm. the moon sign can also reflect um uh unmet needs or um also hmm, armor that you may have put up around yourself to protect yourself mm. so in uh in in reflecting on your own emotional um experiences as children um and in looking at your moon placement um that may be something to reflect on mm. um yeah yes. you know i've also heard the moon sign described as you know, like your sun sign, as we kind of shared last time, was really like the sign that you evolve into. It's mm-hmm. it's 
who you are. It's like your conscious mind. And then I've heard the moon sign described as like your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Very true. And that it's like the it's like the version of yourself when no one else is around that that's mm-hmm. probably a little more likely to come out. I like that. Yeah. I kind of like from just my own personal experience, I kind of feel like when I'm really comfortable, when I am around my soul family, when I am around just, you know, when the vibrations are good, good food, good company, good all around, mm-hmm. you, you know, this part of yourself might make itself a little more known. Yeah. I feel like I experience that for sure. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, how I've interpreted it as well, um, or I've, how I've heard it interpreted, is that the moon is a driving force um, mm. in our lives. So, so uh, true. driving force <laughs> meaning that, you know, it motivates us to do things, to make decisions. Um, and, you know, we, we when we observe our um, actions and reactions to things, we see you know, where, how we are directing our lives with um, decisions that can mm-hmm. be emotionally or subconsciously based. Um, right. And, you know, that's a very powerful tool for um, reflection and very apropos because it's the moon, <laughs> which reflects the light of the sun. So <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, you know, and, you know, the, the moon also, has influence over the ocean our planet is Mm. the majority of our planet is water not Mm. just oceans but rivers and lakes and controls the tides and we as people are like 80 percent water so to me Mm. you know I think that there's a lot of emphasis on the sun sign which I think is perfectly valid but I think sometimes it's for me it's fun when people start to dive a little deeper pun Mm. absolutely intended (laughs) start Mm -hmm. looking at some of their (laughs) other placements because I feel like it kind of like what you said can shine that light. Yeah. It can provide that additional perspective or reflection and kind of provide that proverbial light bulb. <laughs> mm, definitely. And um, we may speak about, um, you know, deeper aspects of astrology in, in other episodes, but um, if you are sort of an aficionado of Western astrology and you have your chart handy, Um, And if you're not familiar with the houses, um, Mm -hmm. whatever house your moon is in. um, So when we talk about our reactions and our subconscious landscape and the driving force in our lives, where that will manifest for you in your life as a focal point is the house that it falls under. Um, So for me, my Aquarian moon Mm -hmm. is in my first house of identity. So uh, for that, this, like a lot of people talk about, you know, a person who wears their heart on their sleeve, like that's me to a T. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that um, it's very hard for me. And it's it's so bizarre because Aquarius is a fixed air sign. And Mm. um, I'll never forget when I received a natal chart reading from a woman named um, Miss Renee in Portland. She said, don't you think it's interesting that you have a fixed air sign in, uh, in an emotional planet? And I was like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> and she was like, 
do you she said do you have a hard time letting shit go and I said mm-hmm. absolutely yes and you know um uh with Aquarius um which is a very it's an air sign so it's very associated with the mental plane um mm-hmm. and thoughts and logic and look uh taking that approach of compartmentalizing things, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it could mean that um, that dissociation from emotional experiences happens or a, an outright denial <laughs> mm. of them. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of compartmentalizing experiences. Um, the, and as we know, when we work toward um, processing past trauma, um, anything that you bypassed or ignored comes back in full force. So it's a, it's, (laughs) it's a tool, you know, to like, you know, when you go into a a sort of survival mode, um, when you're a child, and when you're growing up, um, that, I mean, dissociation and compartmentalizing things as part of that, just so that you can function. Um, But that as you get older, and if you're in, if you're doing any sort of practice that increases your level of consciousness, you know, a light is going to be shined on those areas where you did not feel through your emotions. And the Mm -hmm. moon in in Aquarius, when it's unbalanced, or when it's developed a protection mechanism, is that emotions are thought through and in and rationalized instead of being felt through. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I definitely built armor Um, And I still see that come up when I do feel triggered. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it's just, uh, I can look at it now and not hate myself for it. I still judge myself for it sometimes, but I don't hate myself for it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, just recognizing where those, um, where that armor is and what situations uh, attract the, uh, those triggers and mm-hmm. also um, just how to basically soften because uh, Aquarius can get very attached and uh, righteous with respect to like what they believe and mm-hmm. um, when it's out of balance and very attached to just thoughts and identification with thoughts and um and the comp- again, the compartmentalizing of things. Mm-hmm. So on the other side, <laughs> so that's one like out of balance. And we talk about emotions, you know, there's, it, there's a polarity there um, right. more often than not. So on the other side, Aquarius is the sign of the humanitarian. And if we're talking about the moon being a driving force in life, um, that ultimately my driving force in life is to connect with people and to um, engage in that collaborative spirit um, with respect to if we're looking at the moon sign. So collaborating mm-hmm. and and really processing emotion and processing um, subconscious things and um, just aiming at like the greater good 
um, for all people. And, um, and in reflecting on where the limitations are with the moon and Aquarius mm -hmm. to come into a sense of celebration, because even if your moon isn't in Aquarius, certainly there are other signs and other, you know, beings that, um, that experience the rationalizing of emotions and the bypassing of experiences. So mm -hmm. it gives you like a relation point with other people and that when you come out of the survival mode and the trigger space that you get to share mm -hmm. space with people in the community and like heal together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What a complex landscape. <laughs> I or, should I say moonscape? What a complex moonscape. <laughs> moonscape. But I'm curious to hear, Thea, more about your moon sign. Yeah, so my moon sign is, I'm still unpacking it a little yeah. bit, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh -huh. um, you know, is so amazing, and she she has taken considerable more time to study Western astrology, and I'm will admittedly say I'm super surface level. I'm able to retain some super quick facts, but when it comes to deeper details, I'm a little foggy on those. So I'll do my best. <laughs> I do know that my moon sign is in Libra, which is the cardinal air sign in the mm -hmm. Zodiac. Mm -hmm. And I personally find it very interesting. My big three I don't know if that's actually <laughs> astrological <laughs> terminology or if that's just a Thea thing <laughs> however my son being in Capricorn is also a cardinal sign so I've got mm -hmm. two of my biggies that are like the big cheeses if you will of their particular elements so I've got big energy going on in my sun and my moon and then my ascending sign is this mutable Pisces <laughs> And so when I look at it from that perspective, I'm like, okay, I come on strong and, but then I kind of go with the flow. I yeah. let my ideas and my feelings be known. And then I kind of let it go. <laughs> I just kind of go with it. So my moon in particular is in the seventh house, which I'm actually looking at the reading that Gina did for me. So I'm cheating a little. <laughs> <laughs> so the seventh house is of personal relationships, which I find fascinating for my moon to mm. be in. It kind of feels like it's in its home house, if that makes mm. sense. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and just based on, ex on my experiences, I have found through, I would say my three decades so far being on this planet, that having my moon in Libra has really put an emphasis on the way that I approach my relationships, that I approach other people's feelings. I'm very aware of them. Mm. And it's an, it's an interesting combination because the, I, I might've mentioned this in our last episode, the two planets that kind of represent big emotions like anchor and love, sex, those both have fire signs in them. Ah. <laughs> Yeah. So I feel very strongly, but when I go to communicate, then they almost go through like this filter. Uh... Because when, when you think about Libra, you think about the scales. Mm -hmm. You know, Libra is, I don't think of like the justice card 
in the tarot. There's just diplomacy and balance and that desire for for harmony mm-hmm. among those that I have relationships with. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter if it's necessarily like work relationships or romantic relationships, family relationships, friend relationships. I want everybody to feel seen and heard and validated. And I still want that even when I'm pissed off, <laughs> even <laughs> when I'm feeling incredibly hurt, even when I have this huge surge of emotions. There's still that part of me that kind of holds back unless the dam breaks. Yeah. But my dam is pretty strong. It takes quite a lot for me to get to that point. But, you know, having my moon in Libra, I really do approach interactions with people from a I would say like a gentle but assertive place. Mm-hmm. And for a really long time, especially in my younger years, when I struggled with boundaries and self-worth, I would, the, my scales were all out of whack. Other people's needs and wants and feelings were always above my own. Yeah. Because there was a part of me that trusted that I could recover. Mm. And even outside of that, there was a part of me that believed that if someone was experiencing a strong enough emotion to fight with me or lash out or say hurtful words, then I must have done something to earn it. Yeah. So I would take it. I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word retaliate because it, it wasn't about re- retaliating, but I wouldn't weigh that against what I was feeling or my perspective or my knowledge you know what I mean yeah so it took me a very long time to get to a place where I was comfortable with the scales being balanced yeah and I feel like balance is a tricky word and I would even be bold enough to say that I think balance would be a really good buzzword for us to talk about at a future in a future episode oh yeah definitely (laughs) because it's hard how many things in life are truly 100% balanced like 50 50 not a lot of things yeah but I kind of what the perspective that I've taken now with relation to my internal scales if you will is it's kind of akin to a pendulum swing Mm-hmm, definitely there are going to be times where one scale is higher than the other mm. and there are going to be times where the other scale is higher than the other mm. and there are going to be times where they're really close together mm. and I'm going to experience things that feels like it tosses them out of whack and I don't know which scale is where mm. and but as long as I feel like I can obtain that equilibrium for kind of without having too much expectation on what it actually looks like guiding Mm. it certainly because I no one else can make my decisions for me but Mm. not leaving it to just kind of figure itself out (laughs) definitely and that's the challenge with Libra energy is that when they are out of balance they could be uh, a doormat to be perfectly honest for people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have absolutely no problem uh, admitting that, taking ownership of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's 100% true. (laughs) It's crazy. My, um, 
and I'm familiar with that energy because I have my south node in Libra and mm. uh, yeah <laughs> uh, and again like <laughs> reflections on more astrological aspects could be explored in a in a different episode but yeah Libra energy is so it's an interesting energy to navigate because it's so beautiful when mm-hmm. it's in balance uh, yes. and just like downright can be traumatic when it's not <laughs> yes yeah I I agree with you I would change the wording a little bit just for my own personal experience oh it's sure Libra can be so so beautiful and is when it's in a harmonious place yeah when that yeah, yeah. that kind of pendulum like alternating between the scales rising and falling in in their natural order very much akin to the ebb and flow of of water Mm. when it just has that kind of natural flow to it that kind of just natural happening Mm. I think that's where Libra can truly shine yeah agreed and and part of the challenge with Libra too is being that people pleaser (laughs) yeah (laughs) making sure everyone's needs are met making sure they're comfortable all of those things but again it's about making sure that I also have what I need and that I also am comfortable mm-hmm. and that I don't have to compromise those things to suit others. I think that is probably one of the biggest lessons mm-hmm. in having any <laughs> aspect in, in the sign of Libra Yeah, for sure. is that you're, that you are just as valuable as those around you and you're just as important. Mm-hmm. Big time. So thank you universe for that. <laughs> <laughs> magical opportunity throughout this <laughs> lifetime to learn that <laughs> yeah oh goodness should we shimmy on to yeah. our, our <laughs> yeah we warned you all beforehand this is going to be a, a chunky juicy episode <laughs> <laughs> so what we wanted to talk about today is um uh our tools really and and how we use them in our own individual uh, practices and today we're going to be covering um, a few different areas with respect to these um, spiritual tools. Um, we are going to be talking about um, shit that we light on fire, <laughs> yes. stones and crystals. And also uh, Thea and I are um, tarot and oracle readers. So we're going to be talking about um, our journey um, into that practice as well and reflecting on the decks that we use and things like that. Mm-hmm. yeah so good so why don't we go ahead and uh, we kind of arrange these in ascending uh, order <laughs> yeah <laughs> mostly at least for me let me know if if it's different for you Gina, but I feel like the order that we have them in is kind of the almost like the use that I use them in yeah <laughs> <laughs> agreed and of course and of course it changes from from time to time like for me, when we originally made this list, it was definitely in its order. And now, should we light on fire and stones and crystals are kind of on the same level yeah. as far as mode of use, mm-hmm. amount of use, if you mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and just, just start with the shit that we light on fire. What Do you know what kind of shit have you lit on fire today? <laughs> um, I begin, so I do a an altar ritual every morning. And um, 
And this crosses many traditions, but I believe that the presence of all five elements being on the altar is really important. And uh, so I light uh, hand-rolled incense every day. Um, And uh, the use of incense has been part of, even before I started doing um, this particular kind of morning ritual, I've used incense for years, Um, probably for like, I don't know, maybe I'm 33 now. So maybe like 15 years, something like that. Mm. Just as like, I, I'm a big fragrance person. So Mm. that's always dictated like what kind of incense that I choose. And then much later, I found out that a lot of incense has just crazy chemicals in it and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So now I do try to lean toward companies and, uh, and also just imported um, incense that is hand-rolled and that uh, includes uh, herbs in it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, this morning I used uh, hand-rolled incense in my um, morning ritual. And um, when I feel like I need to clear my space, I am a Palo Santo girl 100%. Um, I prefer it over sage. Um, again, just like fragrance wise and knowing that both of them carry that pro- that similar property of um, clearing out negativity and stagnation from a space. Um, mm. I like using Palo Santo and I because it is an endangered um, wood, uh, I do make sure to purchase, um, well, to use it sparingly and to also purchase from reputable sources that um, source the wood from uh, the trees that are already dead. And so, you know, these very sacred trees aren't um, cut for the purpose of distributing this wood all over the world, but uh, mm-hmm. that the wood has already naturally fallen. Um, How beautiful. Yeah. So, and uh, when I smudge, I will just light the thing. Palo Santo takes forever to get a good light on it. <laughs> but I just smudge my aura. And um, like you, Thea, um, I definitely smudge my hands and my feet extra mm-hmm. and just make sure to clear the space around my head really well. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, if someone has like visited my space mm-hmm. and if they left residue, I definitely smudge that out. <laughs> so (laughs) yes it's such a good practice yeah definitely but that's Mm. that's my bag with um shit that I light on fire (laughs) (laughs) oh also um uh candles for sure candles are a regular um uh, a regular thing that I light and as part of my morning ritual as well so so beautiful yeah, I I will be the first to stand up and say hi. My name is Thea. I'm a candle whore. I <laughs> I love me a good candle mm-hmm. for years. Literally, I had the most obnoxious collection. It was such a pain in the ass moving them everywhere I went. But it was it was such a safe quote gift to give mm. me. Little did anyone know what I was doing with them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, candles. Uh, I love candles. They're so, yeah. they just, they bring such a beautiful energy when, when you light them. I very much used to just be all about every candle, any candle, 
whatever I could get my hands on. Now I tend to be a little more choosy just because I have the opportunity to. <laughs> I yeah. have the resources to. I've been working a lot with I think these might be technically called six day candles. Mm. I just usually call them pillar candles because I don't mm. know what else to call them. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working a lot with uh, chakra coordinated candles from Aloha Bay. They're poured in, I believe, Indonesia and Ooh, imported. Cool. And Lovely. there's a little local shop in the town where I live and they carry them. And so when the time comes, I usually go in and, and I'll purchase one or two at a time and a beautiful practice I work at my desk quite a lot and you know I don't really have an altar space set up at the moment I've been in my new home for three months now and it's still kind of coming together but I'm not I just I'm letting it kind of flow together rather than arranging it if that makes sense yeah so definitely been working more with candles recently and I love white sage Yes. When I was introduced to smudging and clearing your energy field, it was my dad who introduced me and he follows a, I would say a native inspired spiritual path. He's kind of like me. He doesn't really fit into a category, (laughs) (laughs) but he's always been very drawn to native stories, native artists, native proverbs even. Yeah. And for him, it's just such a strong connection that he just, that's where he feels like his heart is. And so he introduced me to White Sage, which when I first started using it, it was very sparingly. It was introduced to me as a ceremonial tool, not Mm. an everyday tool. And so I would only light it really on special occasions. Yeah. Practicing the Celtic Wheel of the Year. There's eight holidays that are observed through that tradition. And so really I would light it then and occasionally on full moons if I was if I felt like I was doing something particularly strong, if you will. Yeah. In in the earlier days of my practice. And much like Gina, you know, before I didn't really understand that white sage in many places of the country is endangered. And there are a lot of places that do not ethically source it mm. or sustainably source it. And so now I verify the sources in which I purchased my white sage. I actually had a, a friend make me a sage bundle, oh, literally from, from her herb garden. And oh. so I'm, I've had it for a couple of years now and I just can't bear to burn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I ever will, but I do use white sage pretty much every day it's it's something where it's I think I would say it's a little more forgiving than Palo Santo it doesn't take a lot to get it going Mm -hmm. and I'm one of those folks where unless I'm doing like some serious work unless I'm going through and like cleansing my house or I'm cleansing all of my stones or all of my decks I really just kind of let it burn out when it burns out and again like you know I smudge my hands I smudge my feet because those are major energy vortexes a lot of people don't see them that way but once someone kind of pointed that out to me it was like a light bulb I was like oh crap mm-hmm. <laughs> so I definitely take the time to do that I will also pass the sage bundle behind me 
Oh, yeah. Because a lot of energy can get stuck back there. Going over the head, over the third eye can be really beneficial because it kind of gets that whole area. And what I'll... (laughs) So I'll pass it behind me very, very carefully. I'm never sitting down when I do this because for me, it's just... I know I'm going to make this huge mess if I do it that way. So I'll, I'll usually stand and pass it from one hand to the next, making sure I have a nice firm grip on it. And I'm fortunate in that I have another person in my house. I can say, here, hold this. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll have my husband hold my abalone shell and my, my smudge bundle. And if he needs more direction, I'll give it to him. But otherwise, I'm just like, just stay there. And I'll like move around him or I'll like bend up and down and <laughs> to get it everywhere. But, but yeah, that's... Sometimes I have days where I'll walk in my door and the smudge is straight to where I go to. Like, give me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's such True. a beautiful plant. It's such a beautiful teacher and such great medicine that I have so much reverence for it. Like I'll even, I have it in my hands right now and I'll even just like, won't light it on fire, but I'll just smell it. Yeah. And sometimes I almost prefer that. Like if I don't want to light it and I just need a little quick something, I'll just smell it. So beautiful. I'm trying to think. I don't really work with incense a whole lot. I'll go through phases where it's something that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. When I, Particularly when I was working with two of my other chakras, when I was working with my earth star and my root chakra, I definitely burned a lot of incense there. Hmm. Um, myrrh and sandalwood are probably two of my favorites mm-hmm. I'm a big scent person but I'm finding as I go that I prefer more earthy even spicy much more subtle mm. scents yeah. mm. and I also have fur babies that can become quite sensitive to uh, the smell yeah. so I always try to be really conscientious of are they yeah, my cat sleeps in my office 90% of the time. So I'll usually look over. Is she sleeping? Okay. Has she vacated? Okay. <laughs> so I think that's really the the toll of what I'm lighting on fire these days. Yeah. I don't have a fireplace. I'm in Southern Oregon and we are in extreme risk of fire season. So I'm definitely not lighting anything on fire outside. <laughs> yeah I do miss a good bonfire though oh totally maybe next year when if the world is in a more stable state that's something I can do again but for now yeah. I'll stick with I'll stick with my candles and my little sponge bundle <laughs> mm-hmm. should we talk about shiny things yes so gosh stones and crystals there's such a uh I'll speak for myself before I kind of dove into um that world um I was completely overwhelmed by it like I would go into you know um uh spiritual bookstores and other places that had um just a ton of crystals laid out and I was like what does this all mean what Mm -hmm. do I need 
nothing is calling to me right now, but everything like sounds good. Like, because there's little <laughs> descriptions very often of at least the name of the stones um, right. and a little bit about what they do, mm-hmm. um, like the healing properties and things. But the first, um, the first time that I was able to work with crystals was when I was gifted a couple of them. Um, before I went on, um, uh, before I went on a journey across the world to um, live in Indonesia. Mm. And um, I had one friend give me a piece of citrine. And I had another friend give me a piece of Tibetan smoky quartz. Um, Yeah, (laughs) anything from Tibet, Tibetan anything. (laughs) You just say it and I can feel it. I'm like, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. So the smoky quartz, I mean, I was given little descriptions and uh, things like that when I was gifted these stones. But what I felt from them ultimately was um, a protection, at least from the smoky quartz protection Mm -hmm. when I was traveling, Mm -hmm. um, that it... um, is a stone of detoxification and it being quartz it works with the entire chakra system Mm -hmm. so I just kind of took it as um just a a necessary one to have in my pocket (laughs) yes uh when I went everywhere and uh I very often will park my stones on my altar wherever I am um just to recalibrate and recharge Mm -hmm. Um, And the citrine, from what I um, read and from what I felt, uh, corresponded to um, my solar plexus chakra and um, just having that strength and that um, conviction to believe in myself and what I was doing, because really at that time I was taking a leap of faith. Um, and I had no quote unquote plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, to have to maintain that strength and that conviction to just um, be a, be self-assertive, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm going after. And yeah. I, I believe in myself. I believe in what I'm doing and I will attract abundance and, um, and all of those things. So it was an empowering stone where the smoky quartz was, um, clarifying and protective Mm. so those were that was my intro to the world of crystals and stones and um one that I work with more regularly now is um (sighs) there's a few of them but when I do readings and things like oracle and tarot readings Mm -hmm. I will often um, use this beautiful piece of just clear quartz that I have um, to just kind of set that on the deck and ask, you know, whoever I'm reading for to, um, you know, uh, because what quartz does is it magnifies the energy that is around it um, Mm -hmm. and that is put into it. Um, So with that said, you know, magnifying, um, the person's intention for the reading and also to um, just provide clarity um, on all levels and dimensions. So that's Ooh, a regular beautiful. one that I use. And let's see. That's the main one. There are there are other ones that I use from time to time, but that's probably um, 
a regular one for now. Mm-hmm. And recently I just bought, a, because I don't have that for whatever reason, between moving and things like that, I, don't, I didn't have that piece of Tibetan smoky quartz anymore. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I wanted to have another piece of smoky quartz or um, I was looking for obsidian, but I couldn't find it. Um, I just felt like I was being called to um, protect my energy field again. So I was looking for something, yeah, just in the realm of obsidian or black tourmaline or Mm -hmm. smoky quartz, (laughs) anything (laughs) to just kind of like protect. Um, Yes. And uh, I did obtain a a little tiny piece of um, just smoky quartz and, um, I found it this time around with this particular piece, um, even after cleansing it and stuff that it was um, really activating. Mm. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I need to, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna put that on my on my altar for a little while and let it do its thing. And um, yeah. I'll work, I'll work with it in a little bit. But uh, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely like super, supercharged, expansive. Mm. Um, and uh yeah (laughs) so that's the long and short of um yeah just background with stones and crystals and what I'm doing with them Mm -hmm. now yeah amazing yeah the I'll be honest I was one of those folks that was super open to spirituality super open to all the different clear gifts super open to so many things but for some reason I was slow to join the pretty rock party (laughs) (laughs) it took me a while when I was 13 I was gifted my first stone it was in the shape of a pendant it was and Mm. I still have it to this day it's a rainbow moon pendant and I will still wear it during full moons and whatnot or if I'm feeling called I'm one of those people where I genuinely believe that the stones choose you yeah, and that I really, there are some that I wear more consistently than others. I have a bracelet that has the geometric shapes for the seven primary chakras Mm. and they have a corresponding gemstone in the center. So it's like double (laughs) representation. And I wear that pretty much every day. But when it comes to like earrings or necklaces, I have a couple of rings, but I don't wear those too often. I really try to let the the medicine speak to me rather than like picking it for the day. Yeah. So I, so like I said, I had that moonstone and I used to wear it all the time. And then, you know, teenage stuff, I stopped wearing it. And it really wasn't until my early 20s where I was working for a very large financial institution. I was looking for for one of their call centers and I was in kind of a stressful living situation and I was just driving the struggle bus and I could not figure out what the hell to do. Mm -hmm. Nothing I was doing was working. It felt like I was just seeing roadblock after roadblock. And so finally I went into a little shop that was in downtown Salem and it, it was called the Crystal Mirror, and they were known for their stones and crystals. Yeah. They had such a fun collection. They had everything from 
little tumbled pocket stones to specimens to spheres to all sorts of stuff they were a lot of fun and I went in and I spoke with the owner her name is Mm. karma and I told her I have no idea what the hell I'm doing but I know that I need something and I think that something is here Mm. (laughs) so I just need a little help so I gave her not explicit details but I kind of shared what I was dealing with what I was experiencing and she said it sounds like you just need to feel safe you need to feel protected and I said that Mm. would be wonderful I think that's a great starting point (laughs) so I ended up with a lot of stones that were very grounding and protective I'm sure smoky quartz was in there I know I got sardonyx I got snowflake obsidian I think I got an apache Mm -hmm. tear I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure I got others but those are the ones that stick out in my memory yeah yeah and so I worked with those for a long time and my collection was very, very small for a very long time. I only, I think the only two stones that I might still have from that initial purchase are the Sardonyx and the Snowflake Obsidian. I think everything else either found its way to a new home by its own means or I rehomed. Yeah. And... I don't tend to work with too many protective stones anymore at the moment. I do have quite a large collection that have that protective property, but it's not their primary focus. Because, like, when you think of black tourmaline, like, nothing's getting through that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the the big honking protection stone. Versus, like, Apache Tear, which is a very (laughs) considerably more gentle approach to that same idea that same intention yeah I do have a lot of grounding stones and occasionally I will work with them but I'm finding myself being pulled to working with stones that I've never really worked with before Mm. Mm. like right now I am am working with um, carnelian carnelian might have actually been one of the first ones too now that I'm thinking about it that's lovely I have this really fun carnelian sphere that I really picked up on a whim. I was, mm-hmm. I was, it's so funny because when I go crystal shopping, I know <laughs> that really <laughs> I'm there walking around, but like the stones are watching me. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're wondering, am I going to pick you up today? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really at the last minute that I decided to get it. And then yeah. also another one that I've been curious about but I've never really felt the pull to work with is sunstone specifically Oregon sunstone oh yeah so I got a sphere and and when I I feel like when people think of spheres I think of these like giant ass like honking big pieces no no no, no. these stones can very easily fit in the palm of my hand yeah they they are quite small um so <laughs> my carnelian is a little bigger than my sunstone, but they're sitting next to each other at my desk right now. They look good together. They're hanging out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. And then I also saw a pair of sunstone earrings and I thought to myself, it's kind of hard to carry a sphere in my pocket, but I can mm. definitely rock some sunstone earrings. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So I think for me, the, the trick with stones and crystals because like I said I I kind of go through phases with my yeah. tools regarding yeah. what I'm actively working with because for the longest time you know we're going to transition into this in a minute for the longest time my primary focus was on 
my cards, my tarot, my oracle cards. Mm. And then sometimes my focus would be on meditating. And I had a chanting practice for a hot minute, which Mm. I really want to get back into. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes it's just about the journaling. Sometimes it's just about lighting the candles. And so for me, it's kind of fun when I find myself getting almost like reintroduced to a tool. Yeah. Because, you know, for almost two years, a lot of my spiritual tools were packed because of the mm-hmm. space we were living in. We just didn't have room to unpack everything. And so yeah. when we moved into this space, like it was almost intimidating going unpacking everything. Yeah, no was, kidding. Because there was so much stuff that I had forgotten about. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. So when I think I actually did a little video about this when I was organizing <laughs> my tumbled stones on on my Instagram, I did a little video about it, but like hmm. rediscovering those little energy spirits was like so, so cool. Like I didn't realize I'd had so much clear quartz. And it's never, and it, I think I've only intentionally purchased it like once or twice, but I've been gifted a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just cracks me up because quartz is, it's the most common mineral on this planet, but it has the highest vibrational frequency. Yeah. And so finding all of that, it just like, it made me go back and think, when did I acquire you? Do I even remember you? (laughs) And just, you know, kind of that feeling of, oh, you were there all along. Yeah. You were, you were like that invisible support when it felt like I was just gonna just fall on down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fall down, forget it, over it. Done. <laughs> no, I think, I think Clear Quartz is definitely one of the most, I would even argue special just because it's, just because of what it can do. It's so incredible. It's, totally. it's, it's like limitless. That lack of limit in the form of a, a rock. It's so cool. I wish I had a more eloquent way of saying that. So I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, I don't know. With, the, with, these, um, with these tools, it's like you, um, well, we just develop, as we're talking about, we just develop our own personal relationships um and you know these are things to like we could talk about it you know but ultimately the presence within these tools is meant to be felt and Mm -hmm. um yeah I think that's so true I remember a few weeks ago I was determined my heart has been lusting after Larimar for quite some time and I thought to myself today's gonna be the day I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna find that magical piece that's just been waiting for me and I remember going into a shop and they had this beautiful slab I think of selenite I believe he said it was selenite like this thing was honking it was giant it was at least (laughs) probably at least two feet long and at least a foot and a half wide it it was oh, insane. I don't even know how they got it in that little case, but more power to them. <laughs> and they probably had 
12 to 15 Lorimar pendants and they were beautiful yeah and I spent some time looking at them and I held a couple of them and there was just nothing happening it was like hello are you sleeping is anybody home what's going on (laughs) and I was kind of disappointed because I thought to myself today's gonna be the day I'm gonna go after it and I still got some really beautiful tools I got my carnelian sphere in in the shop that these pieces were in and I'm just like okay maybe not today but you know because a lot of the time when I go in somewhere I think I know what I'm going to get and 90% of the time I walk out with something completely different oh yeah or I don't walk out with anything yeah so it's just the way it goes so I decided that there was another um there was like a mineral museum that also sold, sold pieces and I had never been there so I decided to walk over it was like just literally down the street and I went in and they had a couple of pendants and they had an earring set and I was like oh that's beautiful and so I looked at them and I looked at the price and I was like well let's I've never spent that much money on earrings and <laughs> And then I was like, okay, the, uh, remember, Laura Mark was like, come on, please, in the Dominican Republic, you know, it's, it's not a common stone. So putting all that into my brain and the girl in the shop, she was so funny. She's like, would you like to try them on? <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, you know, I'm really weird about like trying on earrings. Like I used to work in a store that sold a lot of jewelry, a lot of body jewelry. And you know, I, I'm very much aware of like the hygiene that goes behind putting something in your body, like an earring. Like there are yeah. earrings that I clean every time I wear them. For the most part, I'm not a saint. And she said, I have pure alcohol. I can clean them for you. Mm. <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, I'm kind of worried. She's like, why would you be worried? She's like, I'm happy to show like, show you everything. I'll wash them right for you. I said, oh, no, 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 you're not the problem. I'm worried that if I put them on, they won't come off. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, well, it's no pressure for me. And I'm just like, oh, no, I know you're, you're great. You're wonderful. It's just, you know, in my own internal thing. And what it really came down to was me asking myself, am I ready for the medicine that Larmar offers? Yeah. Am I ready for that? Mm. Long story short, I ended up trying them on. They're home with me now. It was a wonderful investment. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, the the reaction that I had, I've never questioned to that extent bringing home a tool like that. Yeah. Because you might look at them and say, like, oh, they're just earrings. And that's true. They are earrings. But for, for the purposes that I wear them, and work with them and and the energy that they encompass for me there's more to it Mm, definitely and sometimes my husband teases me he's like because we'll be going somewhere and I'll be like oh what medicine do I need today and he's just like he's like don't they talk to you can't they just give you a straight answer (laughs) (laughs) like oh I'm sure they do but you know the hearing that's not always on point so fun fun little story (laughs) but yeah I I did end up with um, two pieces of Larmar that day, not just one. Awesome. Mm. 
Oh, stones. We we could go on forever and ever, couldn't we? (laughs) It's so true. They're so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) But before we um, dive too much further down the uh, crystal rabbit hole, maybe we should move on to the third category of today's episode of our tools. Tarot and oracle cards. That's right. Um, so, I mean, we both have a story about how we, about how tarot and oracle cards um, and becoming readers, you know, how that ultimately unfolded and, and came into our field. And um, for me, I was terribly curious about tarot cards and getting readings and stuff from a pretty young age because I had my mom telling me that uh, that she received a reading once and it was all mysterious and kind of like taboo and stuff because of <laughs> religion and stuff. <laughs> it was it was a form of a for maybe not forbidden fruit but like naughty candy. Uh, pretty much yeah like this candy this candy <laughs> will it tastes good but it'll stick to your teeth <laughs> gotcha and right you on. will get cavities or something <laughs> spiritual um, cavities spiritual cavities um so that seed was planted there um just like it was kind of like a parents are so funny do as I say not as I do mm-hmm. um and uh anyway so my curiosity was peaked from a pretty young age I was probably like I don't know 10 or 12 but I didn't actually start studying it until much later um probably more seriously like five or six years ago and um the deck that I studied or I, I studied to um two decks first I didn't own these decks but I was just um kind of doing my research um, online mainly Mm. with them is the Rider Waite, which is a traditional um, tarot deck. Mm -hmm. And also I was studying the Mythic Tarot, which is, um, it uh, has Greek mythology thematics um, running through it. Um, So that's where I learned about the, um, through that study and research, I learned about the archetypes and um what all of the suits represent Mm -hmm. um and that was all really fun it involved like just doing a lot of readings on myself and just doing fun readings on friends and just kind of getting a feel for like what these cards mean in different situations and Mm -hmm. different card combinations and things like that and um it was just so much fun I I really couldn't um I really couldn't get enough of it mm-hmm. and then uh a little bit later about a few years ago I had a friend um do a reading on me with the wild unknown tarot deck mm. and um this deck is really cool it's uh, it was created by a woman named Kim Kranz who's uh I think an incredible artist first and foremost mm-hmm. um but she, um, yeah, she created this deck and, you know, very often we'll see the archetypes reflected um, in uh, 
human depictions like actual humans will be on the cards the queen of cups and xyz um in this deck the um what would have been humans in other decks are animals in this deck Mm -hmm. so um for example in the suit of swords um there are owls Mm. um that that represent that suit because they represent knowledge and the mental field and things like this right and um and another example is that's uh, a family of swans um represent the court cards for the suit of cups so um I know so it just it made it all really access more accessible for me in that way and yeah just um it felt more powerful to me for whatever reason. I just kept getting drawn into that deck and more and more um, people that I knew had it. And I was like, man, I need to just, I need to just get that deck for myself. So I did and started doing readings um, on myself and on others with it. And it, to this day, I'm still using it um, when I read for other people, just Mm -hmm. because, um, another deck hasn't quite caught my attention in that way yet totally um and the oracle deck that I'm using now is one called um yantra wisdom Mm. and uh yantras are um in the yoga tradition they are used as a geometric representation of a mantra or uh, it, yantras represent a deity. Um, there are yantras that represent planets, um, chakras, of course. So basically it's a very, even though it's um, geometric representation, it's actually when you meditate on it. So when you gaze at it, um, you basically, there's what's called a bindu point or a center point to every yantra. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that practice, you're, you're chanting uh, the, the mantra that the yantra represents and uh, you're, you're gazing at it and you're allowing it to unfold from the center outward. Um, so it's a very powerful um, practice. And um, so this deck um, is a bunch of yantras that reflect chakras, um, the planets that belong to Vedic astrology mm. and also um, the a select few of the Hindu deities as well. So gods mm. and goddesses. Um, so because I am, I've been drawn to Eastern traditions for a very long time mm-hmm. and I'm, I, I'm a practitioner of yoga. Um, I was drawn to this deck and um how I think about it with, with Oracle cards is um, no matter what Oracle deck um, is used, that Oracle uh, cards are about larger thematics um, mm-hmm. and I like general guidance, basically, right. um, where tarot, you can really get into the nitty gritty of a situation that mm-hmm. you're asking about and um, get a little bit more specific with things. Yeah. Um, so, and what's fun too is that um, with the Wild Unknown and with the Yantra Wisdom deck, both of the women that created those decks and illustrated them and everything, they both um, belong to the same yoga lineage as me. 
So interesting. Yeah. So I had no idea that that was the case. That's so <laughs> uh, cool. I, though. <laughs> yeah. I found out much later and um, I just thought how wonderful that it's all connected like that, that I felt gravi- like this gravitational pull toward these two decks and yeah. those women um, are of a similar um, mind and heart when it comes to practice. So mm-hmm. really rad. So yeah. beautiful. Mm. That's so, so cool. Ooh. And I've had readings from you with your Oracle deck and I'm pretty sure I still have the pictures on my phone. Yeah. I believe I, <laughs> I forget what we pulled for you. I'm pretty sure it was Kali. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> She was waiting in the wings long before I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, it is such a beautiful deck. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing about the the yantras. That's something that, you know, we we were having our own little just kind of like heart to heart session yesterday, which was so good. And Mm. shared one of my pillar candles has a Sri Yantra on it and and while you were sharing it, I was just looking at it and it was like, I started to see it move. And I don't think it's just because <laughs> the base yeah, is that's, even. That's what happens with the Sri Yantra. It dances when mm-hmm. you, when you meditate on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it definitely took me there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so my, my introduction to tarot was not nearly as, as interesting I <laughs> I was raised in a very strict Christian household. My grandparents er, were very much the were responsible party for setting that tone, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of like this familial expectation that you follow suit. And so anything, well, that pun was not intended, but I will definitely exploit that. <laughs> um the yeah the expectation was that you believe what they believe and you do the things that they do and you don't do the things that they don't and for someone like me who was always very interested in things that I wasn't supposed to be interested in tarot and oracle decks for me kind of represented that bigger rebellion and I wasn't quite ready to go there yeah in in my young teens when I was doing a lot of my underground study so, you know, for me, it was, they were, they felt separate, if that makes sense. What I was really yeah. studying had to do with my personal belief system and tarot and oracle cards just didn't really have a place there. So once I turned 18 and spent some time living away from home and started spending more and more time with my dad, he and his wife would occasionally bring out a a deck of theirs, depending on what we were feeling as a family. And we would sit down and do readings together. Cool. And the deck that I was first introduced to is called the Drew Craft Tarot by Philip mm-hmm. and Stephanie Cargom. Philip Cargom was most, he retired this year, technically, I think a couple months ago. But up until then, he was the arch druid of the organization bards, ovates, and druids. And they're a very well-known druidic tradition. And so they very much were 
influential for me at that point. And so when I turned 19, I was actually gifted my own deck of these cards. And I was super excited, but I was also terrified. <laughs> because for me, tarot represented an amount of knowledge that I wasn't really sure I was prepared for. Tarot for me yeah. was something that felt so much bigger than myself that I wasn't sure like I think there was a part of me that was worried that I wasn't like responsible enough <laughs> to have a tarot deck because up until that point I'd had very very little interactions with tarot I hadn't really seen a lot in the media and you know at that point on YouTube everyone that I was seeing doing tarot cards like just seemed to know yeah what they were talking about and so I felt very intimidated. So I really didn't start studying tarot and really practicing until my early 20s. So I had the deck for a few years before I really started diving into it. Because I used to sit with a book and do just draw cards and read about it and draw cards and read about it. And occasionally I would try to do readings for myself. But at that time I was in an environment and in a relationship that wasn't really supportive. And I felt very insecure I felt a lot of judgment from yeah. wanting to pursue this because from this the person has a relationship from their perspective it was very much well that's your dad's thing it's fun when we're there but like that's not really you mm. and part of me felt like that was true and part of it me felt like that wasn't true so I kind of had like this inner conflict with it for a little while but yeah, you know, in retrospect, I can really just see that I was, I that inner conflict was just trying to find my own identity outside of everyone else. So it was that question of like, is this something I'm actually interested in? Do I have something in me that tells me that this is an avenue for me? Or is this something that I'm trying to adopt because there are people in my life that wouldn't or don't want me to. It was kind of that question. Yeah. Well, long story short, it's definitely an avenue for me. <laughs> and my collection of cards is, I don't want to say extensive, but it's, I never expected to have this many. And I've actually been thinking about pruning it a little bit. At my last count, I have... 20 oracle decks wow and eight tarot <laughs> decks a couple of the tarot decks were gifted to me by family members one of them i inherited from my dad and so i count as part of my collection but i don't really read with it occasionally yeah. i will but i have to actually feel really called to do that and I do utilize tarot, but not really in the way that I think a lot of people do. As Gina mentioned, I also read, and but I don't read very often. It's kind of one of those things where I, at least at this point in time, and over the last probably year or so, I've used it more as a personal tool rather than like a professional mm. one. Mm. Like I would... I would hesitate to call myself a professional tarot reader just because I'm not, I don't do it consistently. I don't do it 
as part of making a living. Yeah. There are times when I'll go on Instagram and we'll do live videos and I've pulled cards for that. And, and in those instances, I'm more than happy to do it. And I feel comfortable and confident in doing that. And I used to have books over (laughs) my apartment. I think Jean and I actually exchanged readings a couple of times Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was good fun. And I really enjoyed that. But, you know, I, I, and people have kind of mentioned to me like, oh, you should totally do a YouTube channel. You should do a YouTube channel. And I just think to myself, I don't think that's how I work. I don't think that's how I personally operate. It's fun. And there are definitely channels that I follow that do do that. Yeah. And I don't think that's really the avenue for me personally. It takes a lot of energy to read for the collective. It really does. It really does. And there are definitely folks who have that stamina, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that capacity to hold that space for an extended period of time. And I just don't know that I do. Mm -hmm. I, I personally find that when I read for folks, it's when other work is already being done. And sometimes the cards will provide more clarity or they'll provide direction. I used to read more for folks. um, And I was finding that uh, the people I was reading for were getting called out a lot. (laughs) And it got really uncomfortable because I was just like, yeah, come over. I'll do a reading for you. It'll be great. You know, and then all of a sudden I'm just like, I have to tell you something. I don't know that you're going to like it. Please don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) (laughs) And like once or twice, no problem, you know, but when, you know, every time they're coming over and getting that reading and they're getting a similar message or they're asking about the same thing for me, it was like, you really want to see the cards again? Like, cause I can just pull out the ones that you saw last time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So at least at this particular time in in my practice, tarot is is a little bit more passive. I don't want to say it's taking a backseat, but it's a little more passive. And I did just finish a tarot challenge in the month of July. All that's on my Instagram page and did readings every day for 28 days and that was wonderful and I really enjoyed it and it was a lot of fun because I incorporated tarot and oracle Mm. but even so that was by the end of it I was I was grateful for the experience but I was also grateful that it was ending (laughs) yeah definitely yeah and and I do utilize the I believe who was it who's the author let me see if I can remember there is a book called tarot for yourself and I believe the author is Mary Greer I think Mm -hmm. that's how you say her last name it's Mm G-R-E-E-R and this was the first introduction I had to the concept of a tarot card for the year oh cool I love that (laughs) yeah and so that's when you I, I don't know that there's more than one practice of numerology but for erring on the side of caution we're gonna say western (laughs) numerology um and if anyone knows please feel free to educate me but the idea is that you take your birth month and day and the year that you are in Mm 
So for this year, it'd be 2020. And you utilize numerology by breaking down the numbers and finding your major arcana card. And that major arcana card is supposed to represent the themes that you will see, experience, witness, encounter throughout the year. I was trying to remember mine and then I I just added it up again now and I was like, oh, the Hierophant, I remember now. (laughs) (laughs) The Hierophant, what a card to get. I know, what was yours for this year? So mine for this year is Strength. Oh, lovely. Ah! (laughs) I know, and it's so funny because I remember a couple years back, I think actually, crap, I think the last year was the sun. It was the moon and star before that. And I think it might've been the tower the year before. Oh, wait. Huh. So when you add them up, like when I added all mine up, I got 14. Mm-hmm. So do you add one plus four to get five or do you go with 14? You would go with 14. You would only, <gasps> oh, yeah, my card is different. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> Temperance. Wow. Temperance is my card for this year. Whoa. That's, that's powerful shit, dude. I know. Oh, my God. That, that changes uh, everything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. so just to clarify, because that lovely um, opportunity that Gina gave us to, to, bring that about so in the major arcana you have zero through 21 um sometimes the fool is counted as 23 because in the major arcana or sorry 22 excuse me um because the fool in the major arcana starts at zero and yeah you can't have zero (laughs) numerology you gotta have something so so like I said, for me, my numerology this year came out to 11, mm. which is the strength card. And I know kind of depending on the deck, sometimes there are decks that rearrange two of the cards. Mm-hmm. And with that, what I would just encourage folks to do is just go with what feels right. If you have a deck and the card that you came up with is, because I believe it's Justice and the Chariot that are are switched sometimes. It's Justice and Strength that are changed. Is it Justice and Strength? Okay. Mm -hmm. That was my first thought. And then I was like, no, maybe it's the Chariot. So, okay. Yeah. No. It's because, and it's because um, it's that uh, strength, there's more often than not, there's a depiction of a lion on the card. Mm-hmm. So, and eight is the month of August, which is, uh, we're in the sign of Leo for most of the month of August. Right. And then, of course, uh, Libra is the uh, symbol of the scales, which is justice. So, mm-hmm. in some decks, they are reversed or gotcha. not. So, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. See, we're, we're learning together. Isn't this wonderful? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So like I said, I was introduced to that concept through Tarot for Yourself. And that's something I've been doing over the last few years. And sometimes what I will do is I, at the beginning of the year, I'll 
find, I'll do the numerology, I'll find my card and I will do like a year round spread mm-hmm. where I have 12 cards and each card kind of like represents what themes I might experience in that month. I haven't done that in a while because I have kind of found that the the card that that represents the year tends to I don't want to say like overshadow but it tends to be the the thing that is present throughout so I guess it would really just depend on your preference on what you feel like you need and of course like what your card is yeah so so that's that's one way that I utilize tarot and I have as I said, I have quite a number of decks. And so depending on what deck I feel called to, I will pull out the strength card from that deck and I will have it set out and aside. So that way I can look at it multiple yeah. times a day. And the the particular strength card that I have been that I've had on my desk is from the Crystal Power tarot. I wanna say the woman who Korea the deck is Jane Wallace mm-hmm. and yeah Jane Wallace and then the illustrator for that particular card is Roberta Orfwood mm-hmm. and they just made this beautiful beautiful deck together it's so much fun but yeah I'm I'm one of those folks where I just I really let the tools almost pick themselves <laughs> truth because sometimes I look at this card and I think to myself, like, this is still the, the depiction of, of strength that that resonates, that still holds the medicine. And the, the fun thing about the Crystal Power deck in particular is that there are corresponding stones mm-hmm. that were chosen to also kind of like hold the energy of the particular card. And for the strength card, the stone that was chosen was the Herkimer diamond. Whoa. Yeah, and I thought to myself, well, that's cool. Whatever. Diamonds are my Herkimer is a fun word to say. I can dig it. <laughs> but wouldn't you know that I ended up acquiring a necklace that has a Herkimer diamond in it. Really? For reals. Fun. And now I just kind of look at the card like, you sneaky bastard. <laughs> 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 so you know that's not to say that, that there's all these things that are like working behind the scenes and unknowingly but I do think that there are some things that are put into our awareness that maybe we don't realize and I think sometimes tarot particularly when it comes to the illustrations or, or the depictions that are supposed to hold the energy of that card can be really really telling definitely so Hmm. I know we've been here for a hot minute, but Dina, I'm just kind of curious. Is there a card in the tarot, minor or major, that comes up and you just feel it more than anything else? Yeah. That like strikes a, a strong emotional reaction, good or bad? Um. I'm going to, I have a couple. Um, <laughs> uh, um, 
and it's just I don't know it's because of a number of things but whenever the whenever the devil comes up I'm Mm. always like oh what's working underneath the scenes that um I am not paying attention to that is Mm. like an an addictive or like destructive behavior Mm. um and I don't know, that's when, whenever that comes up, I feel like I'm definitely getting called out on something <laughs> and, uh, and I don't always like that, but, right. um, it's not always a comfortable and, feeling. No, it's not. And I, I, yeah, so that's just a card that, I mean, it, it inspires self-honesty at the mm-hmm. end of the day, but, um, it's never a pleasant sight. It doesn't make me afraid um Mm -hmm. as it would for some people but it makes me feel like god damn it like (laughs) (laughs) here we go again (laughs) uh anyway so it's uh that's what elicits that um response from um the devil card and then the other one um as it's kind of polar opposite in terms of my response is the ace of cups Mm. i i love that card um it's just so, I mean, with all the aces, you know, it's a card that is full of the, the possibility of mm-hmm. the suit, um, right? the potential energy of the suit. And it's uh, the Ace of Cups is just, uh, it's an overflowing cup of, you know, abundant, um, fluid, emotional energy and mm-hmm. charge and depending on how um how you look at it you know it could be something that overwhelms you um well you know in a in a good or a bad way if you want to look at it like that mm-hmm. but um I when I when I see it see it and when I feel it I'm just like oh that's so lovely to um to be to have that influx of like potential to do something differently in terms of like the emotional landscape um, because that's what cups represent um, is the emotional um, energy and responses and everything like that. So how fun. I enjoy that one. <laughs> nice. Wow, this episode was really chunky. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh my goodness. But what a fun time. You yeah. know, part of the reason... I think I get so much enjoyment out of these conversations is just because, you know, you can share so many similarities, but when you get down to the nuances and the complexities and the minor details of how different things are, it, I find it to be really inspiring. Definitely. I it's kind of like getting a sneak peek into like another world that's like right next to yours definitely and maybe encourages some some adventure and and trying things in a different way or or shifting your perspective or just that little spark to go off and have a new adventure with something yeah I love that too (laughs) (laughs) Mm. What a good time. Well, I think unless there was anything else that just kind of came to mind for you, maybe we should share what we have in store for our audience over the next couple of weeks. 
Definitely. So we are um, going to be getting into the subject of deities and archetypes. And um, we, as you uh, may know, uh, if you're familiar with the subject, is that there's so many angles and traditions that um, that, that subject can be, um, you know, that or well, I can't talk. <laughs> so many uh, perspectives, you know, that 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 subject um, can offer us, mm-hmm. and so we're going to be looking at um, deities and archetypes from all kinds of traditions: uh, the Hindu tradition, um, Greco-Roman tradition, um, and many more. And this is an opportunity for us to reflect on. Um, our own relationships uh, with these archetypes and the stories behind them and just, you know, the reason why these things exist is, you know, they have, they have human characteristics and the stories Mm -hmm. and things offer us, you know, a point of relation on our Mm -hmm. own journey as humans having a full range of experiences and journeys of all kinds and um, Mm -hmm. to just witness and uh, experience the insight that comes from these deities and archetypes is really powerful. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to spend two episodes focusing on both the divine feminine and divine masculine just as we are made up of masculine and feminine and so is the world. And, you know, I think there's so much value in both that it just seemed only, I'm going to use this tricky word. It seemed like a balanced way to (laughs) approach (laughs) this particular topic and to kind of help us stay organized. Just because there's, as Gina mentioned, there's so many aspects of this particular topic that kind of having those two categories helps us to kind of stay concise with with the particular aspects that we're going to be exploring and sharing and talking about over the next couple of episodes so with that in mind if you want to learn more about us you can visit our individual instagram accounts you can find Gina at Gina.Rodondi. You can find myself at The Only 13. You can also reach out to us with comments, questions, and anything else you might want to share through ccradiancepodcast at gmail.com. We are so excited to start this little mini series. It's, it's going to be quite the ride through history, both the world's and our own. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us here, everybody at Co-Creating Radiance. May you find radiance when you least expect it. And we will be sharing with you soon. Take good care, everybody. Stay strong in mind, body, and spirit. We will share space with you all next time. Lovely. Namaste. Namaste.